0: This week, I'm cracking open a can of Korean makgeolli with Carol Pak, the founder of Makoo. In Seoul, makgeolli bars are having a major moment, similar to what happened here with craft beer a few years ago, or like natural wine is having right now. After a recent trip to Korea, Carol noticed that all we could get stateside were super synthetic versions in green bottles, so she knew she had to make her own using more natural, traditional ways of brewing using a fermentation agent called nuruk. Carol and I chatted about everything from coin-op karaoke to Korean culinary culture and why makoli is the fermented beverage that you should definitely be ordering with your next meal. Thanks for coming by, Carol.
1: Hi. How are you? How are you? Sorry, I'm late.
0: Oh, it's okay. It's all good. I was just filling my time with trying to figure out how to pronounce makgeolli properly. (laughs) And I was like, maybe I should just wait until she gets here because I'll bet she can clear this up for me.
1: That was pretty close. Makoli. Makoli. Yeah.
0: But thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm so curious to learn more about Makoli. It's so delicious.
1: Thank you. Glad you
0: yeah. like it. I have to say, I don't think I've had this before.
1: A lot of people have it.
0: In Korean barbecue restaurants here in Los Angeles, I'm sure it's available, but I feel like I defer to like the soju and the height combination, like the classic mm-hmm. green bottle um, goodies, which are of course right. lovely as well. But I think it's what you're doing is so interesting. Um, and I love that it was inspired by travel as well.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: So, you now, tell me makoli is something that I was not familiar with. What? is it exactly?
1: It is a very traditional Korean alcohol. It is made from fermented rice, and it's 6%. And it's a drink for commoners and to drink uh, to get people together.
0: I love that. The thing that's interesting about it to me is that it has this really cool, almost like a milky look to it. Is it unfiltered?
1: or? Yeah, so they say it's unfiltered, but I guess the more appropriate term would be coarsely filtered which is actually what the meaning of makgeolli is in Korean.
0: Oh, is mak filter or how, do you, how does that break down?
1: Kali uh, is supposed to be filter and then mak is like kind of like careless, carelessly filtered. So <laughs> <it's>
0: like, <laughs> careless about this, I think, you know, what you've done is, ate, um, with the product is so tasty. Like I said, it has this kind of like kombucha flavor to it, which is really interesting. Like that little slight almost like not not vinegar but it's just like a little tartness Mm -hmm. um really nice and it's got the little like slight bubbles it's not as bubbly as like a champagne or even uh, Mm -hmm. a, a lager but it's just lightly effervescent which is really nice for when you're drinking with um food
1: yeah the carbonation it i think it's because we pasteurize it so the the bubbles kind of die a little bit um but it's also like mimics the natural bubbles when it's fermented at the beginning Um, because carbon dioxide is a natural byproduct of fermentation. And so um, we kind of force carbonate back to mimic the levels of a carbonated Oh, And then, yeah, I'm surprised you taste the tanginess because I'm so used to the really tart makgeollis in Korea. Mm. And um, I wanted our product to be a little bit more tart, but I thought it was like dangerous to test or like go out in the market with that kind of product. So I did like as smooth of a, and subtle and sweet as possible. But um, yeah,
0: I don't it taste is. the tartness, but. No, it, it's very, um, it's very delicate, I think. Like, uh, or even maybe like kefir, I guess is, I don't know if you've had kefir before where it's just that like tiny I little, I love it. I love anything with like, just like the teeniest bit of a vinegar to it. I think again, it's just ends up being so wonderful with food, but the flavors mm-hmm. are also so unique. But the thing that I was I was curious about. I was watching the videos on your website and I was like, "Oh my god, I think I might have drank this the wrong way." So you're actually supposed to turn the can over, right? Yes, uh-huh. And then give it a twirl? Um, or it no,
1: doesn't what's, what's really way? matter like how you shake it. Uh-huh. The whole purpose of it is because um there's rice sediments that fall to the to the floor. And if you drink just the top part of it, um they actually have another name for that in Korea. But it's, it's clear, and then you don't get the texture and the, the mouthfeel. So it's, it's kind of a different drink and a different experience. So, to introduce like makali as it's supposed to be, we tell people to shake the can.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, it's so counterintuitive because, you know, here in the US, we think shake cans and then you open it and it's like a champagne shower,
1: <laughs> you know? I know, it's been so challenging um, because we have to try to explain to people, like, not to shake it too much, but then. Um, yeah, we're still trying to figure out what the right messaging varies.
0: Yeah. It's sort of, so you would just kind of turn it over and just sort of unsettle it a little bit. So you kind of twirl it round and round a couple of times and there mm-hmm. you go. You don't want to aggressively shake it. Like you're, you just won the, you know, Stanley cup or something like that. Right, right, right. Got it. Okay, cool. That's great. And that makes so much sense because it does, I think the way I was drinking it before, before I mm-hmm. you know knew about it was it was even a little bit more flavorful at the bottom, perhaps because of the kind of the rice lees. Is, is that what that is? A sort of rice leaves at the bottom? Yes.
1: Yes. Uh-huh.
0: Exactly. okay. So I was doing the weak sauce way where I was just enjoying it with, oh, okay, well, that's good to know. So yeah, for you guys back at home, you take it, you turn it, and you do a little, a gentle little twirl. You can even twirl with it too if it makes you feel better. Maybe after a couple of macus, it'll be fun. And then you open, open it up.
1: Oh, yeah. I love yep, that sound. I have mine here. Cheers. Mm, <laughs>
0: cheers. I love this. This is wonderful. So I've got here, um, I've got the mango flavor.
1: Mm. I have the original
0: which by the way i love the original that's my favorite of all of them mm, i really you. enjoy it it's so good but the flavors are very they taste very natural
1: mm-hmm. I like um well our biggest thing was to keep our product all natural because the imported products a lot of the ingredients are not and we thought that um in addition to the branding, the issue was uh, the ingredients because like in America, it's all about clean ingredients and um, consumers are a lot more educated now um, and they like check the nutrition facts and they, they want to know what they're putting in their bodies. So we just use um, fruit puree concentrate. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just blended fruit and then we, we add it um, to the makgeolli.
0: You can really taste that, especially the mango and it's blueberry mm-hmm. is the other flavor, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It has the a, a quality of a rice wine where it 's like the essence like that sort of like, it just it just like a, like um this when you smell rice cooking right when it goes in your rice cooker you 're like the aroma's the floral nature of really great white rice when it 's steaming in your rice cooker it 's like a mm-hmm. liquid version of that um, yeah. it 's really like subtle and feminine and, and, and pretty. But then then you have that like bubbliness that I feel like could stand up to something that like a, we were talking about fried chicken would be really great or some Uh barbecue.
1: So what I came up with like long time ago was mochi and champagne. Yes. But I don't know how to put it elegantly. And then like the tartness of like frozen yogurt, but like I literally don't know how to blend the three together together where someone wouldn't roll their eyes at me and say like, yeah, right. <laughs> oh my God. No,
0: but that's exactly, oh, Carol, you should have been on Top Chef Masters as a judge, not me. That is a perfect way to describe it. It's like when you go to yogurt land and you get those little pieces of mochi on top of the yogurt. It's that like tart from a natural, you know, yogurt, that little yeah. like, And then they have the, the sweetness of the rice. It uses the same yeah. rice. It's glutinous rice. Oh. Which is like chewy rice. Oh my gosh, I love that description. That's so wonderful. Is there a region that this originates from, or is it kind of seen all over the country in different forms?
1: It is all over Korea. I'm sure it's in North Korea, too. I haven't been there, but...
0: You actually came up with the idea for the drink Mm -hmm. when you were traveling, right, and bringing this to the U.S. market. Tell me about that adventure.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I travel to Korea pretty often because I still have family there, and it's just a fun city. Like, Seoul is... I, I don't know. I would say even funner than New York city. Um, and I'm a born or bred New Yorker, but, That's um,
0: fighting words right there. But <laughs> heard Amazing things about Seoul. I'm, I'm dying to get there. In fact, it's like top of my bucket list after all the travel restrictions lift.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's so cheap and it's truly 24 seven, right? Mm-hmm. Like they say that New York never sleeps. No, like Asia never sleeps. And so, um, I went to Korea um, because I was working in China and uh, just to visit my family because my uncle just had a baby. And then my friends, they knew I was in the alcohol industry. So they were like, oh, you should pay attention to Makali because there's been a a rise lately and all of these new bars have popped up and like, let's go check it out. Um, And then... I didn't realize that it was very different from what we had been drinking in the U S but when I came back to the States and I tried makgeolli again, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not nearly what I was drinking in Korea. And I found that I was longing for that, for that taste. Um, so it was, it was kind of like, I didn't appreciate it while I was there, but I kept thinking about it. Um, And then my second time around, I went back and I started doing some research. And then I found that there was like two camps of Makkali. There was like the the commercial cheap types and then there was like the artisanal craft Makkali in small batches. And then that's when I started to get intrigued and dug around and um, saw that like there was just a couple of commercial brands in the US. Um, So that was kind of the inspiration. And it was also because my mom was talking about makgeolli right around that time she's very into gut health and so this is before i think she was on to kombucha but she was all about gut health and she was like oh like they told me that makgeolli so good for you on tv and all of these women are drinking makgeolli and all the grandmas say that this is a secret to a long life so i think we should start brewing makgeolli and that was i heard that right before i went to korea so that was already in my head um so it was kind of like a blend of all that happening.
0: Totally. Hey, look, if a Korean woman tells me what to do when it comes to health and beauty, I'm like, I'll do whatever it is that it takes. You guys are so on it and just like radiant. Like, and the skin, obviously, skin health is so important in Korean culture. Mm-hmm. And so much of that is related to probiotic and gut health. So it makes right. sense that this would kind of be a, a part of that, right?
1: Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. And actually, um, you know, kimchi is very known, um, like, as this, like, probiotic bomb. And in Korea, they pair makgeolli with kimchi very often. So it's, like, double whammy.
0: <laughs> I love the sounds of that. I am such a banchan hound. Oh I my God. love all the pickles. I just, that's, like, my favorite part of a, a market that I go to. And there's a big banchan bar, and you can buy all the things and bring them home. And it's, like, I end up spending half my paycheck on pickles.
1: <laughs> but, where, where, where do they have that?
0: Um, at the Koreatown Galleria, yeah,
1: you know, oh, there's a supermarket okay.
0: kind of on that first floor. Um, you know, th- there are pl- tons of really great markets in Koreatown, but that's kind of the one that I like going to. Um, it's okay. really fun. There's like a re- Palace Beauties on the second floor, and then at uh-huh. the top there's a really great little food court, so you can get some lunch. Um, but yeah, it's just it's massive. It's like you know the length of an entire produce section, but or, you know, but like in kind of set up like a deli where it's you know two trays deep of all oh, the seaweed and lotus and Every kind of kimchi you could imagine. And yeah, oh gosh, I just love Korean food.
1: <laughs>
0: it's just so, so good. So tell me a little bit more about Seoul because I just want to travel through your words. Um, it's up all night. Like, what is the, what is the drinking culture like there?
1: Um, first of all, everything is so cheap. Um, I remember soju was like two to three dollars, and the alcohol is so cheap that. Um, When you go in to drink at a bar, you have to order something called anju, which is like a side dish, but it's essentially like all the bad, greasy junk food, like you could think like fried chicken and um, just like spicy, oily, cheesy, yummy, yummy, delicious foods that a lot of young people substitute for dinner, but they will make you order that to compensate for like all the cheap alcohol. but, like, opposed to Americans, like, we, all, we always sit in a circle around a table, and like, where um, the center is like food. And then we just like, talk and drink for hours. Like, we get there around like four, like, we could get there at five, six o'clock, and we'll stay for a few hours. And then there's something called icha, which means like round two. And then you go to another restaurant, you order more food and alcohol, then you go samcha order more food and alcohol and then sometimes you go to the club or you go to karaoke and then like then you go eat and drink again <laughs> oh my
0: god I love this rounds two three and four it's like a multi-course a movable feast if you will
1: yeah I, don't, I honestly like you need a lot of energy to, <laughs> to get that. I don't think I could do it anymore
0: oh my gosh I don't know that that karaoke music will keep you alive I like I love karaoke bars are they as good as they are um here in Cape town are they I'm sure they're like even better in Seoul huh
1: Well, you know, the last time I went, I think uh, last year, it's like um, the 20 and 30 year olds now, they don't go to karaoke anymore, apparently. It's not a thing. Yeah. So now there's something called like coin karaoke, which is like a booth the size of like a, a phone booth. And you just put in quarters and you like each quarter is a song. You just go in and you sing a song and then you can leave after like. A song. It's very strange, but apparently that's the new thing these days. But I haven't had a chance to participate in that.
0: <laughs> like you, it sounds like a practice booth where it's like you can just kind of get pipes warmed up before the main event. But like karaoke, the whole fun is like being with your friends and acting like a total fool and singing. I the really have
1: no idea. Yeah, yeah.
0: it sort of reminds me of um in Tokyo the uh the ramen where you go into the little booth. Oh, and the single the ramen, style. The single style, and it's like oh my God, what's going on around me? I don't know, but you're kind of just there and you're slurping by yourself. And I guess it's sort of, um, well, it's very hedonistic and you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about anyone judging you. So I guess that's sort right. of the Korean equivalent of it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Karaoke. Well, we'll probably be seeing that somewhere here in LA or New York sometime soon.
1: Yeah, well, their explanation was that like our attention span has shortened so much that like you just want to be there for a song or two. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so interesting. Hey, how is
0: Koreatown in New York faring right now? I know you guys right now when we're talking, we're kind of, you know, finally past the peak of the coronavirus outbreak. Like mm-hmm. how is Koreatown holding up?
1: Um, Well, Koreatown is quite small here. It's nothing like the Koreatown in LA. It's just about like two, three blocks. Um, and then like other Korean restaurants dispersed throughout the city. But I think before the shutdown, we weren't hit nearly as hard as Chinatown. Like I would walk through the streets of Chinatown and it was just like so much quieter than what it typically was. And since we have some accounts that we service in both Chinatown and Koreatown, I know a lot of the Chinatown restaurants were struggling way before like the shutdown. And that was all like the xenophobia and things like that. I just can't imagine anyone being in a good position, even though they're like making up for some of the costs because rent is so high here. And Koreatown, there's not a single restaurant where there isn't like an hour line out the door. It's like any hour, any day, it's just so packed. But you know, the rent is so high that, yeah, I'm not sure. I I hope they get some help from the government.
0: I really do as well. It's been really wild here in California, especially in like the San Gabriel Valley experiencing all the xenophobia, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, in Koreatown as well. And it was interesting as all this like hullabaloo with market shortages were going on. Everyone's like, we can't find toilet paper. We can't find paper towels. I was like, if you just go to H Mart, (laughs) (laughs) like K-Town Galleria, like they're fully stocked up. So I've been doing actually even more shopping and more supporting of businesses in our Chinatown as well have been mm-hmm. really hard hit. And it's just, I don't know, it's been really effed up to see, um, you know, as you mentioned, the economics for any restaurant and any small business across the board has been really hard. But to see those places that make our city so special, mm-hmm. hurting even more, you know, it's yeah. like ugh, it just breaks my heart. So I really do hope that we can all bounce back from this you know and mm-hmm. it's it's tough for you too because you know that that's a, a lifeline for your business as well I imagine is a, a great deal of it to um some of these restaurants is that a main part of your distribution model
1: yeah um that was like I would say 80 percent of our focus but thankfully we have online retail that are partners and so we've kind of like sent our customers and fans that way so we have recouped a lot of like what we've been losing but the first two months was quite a transition and it was, it was pretty scary because I, I didn't know how, long, how many months it would go on for but restaurants are a really good channel for new people to get exposure to maku because like with our online customers it's always the same people and they're coming to us because they already know of us but to restaurants like you also have the help of staff explaining what the drink is and you have like food pairings. And so a lot of the experience that is, is very physical is lost. So, um, yeah, very excited to go back to normalcy.
0: <laughs> I know. We're almost there where I feel like, okay, we can kind of sort of see a finish line in sight. Whereas a few weeks ago, I feel like my at least my headspace and my outlook on things was you know, a little bit more grim, and it was just like, oh man, this is never going to end. But now I mm-hmm. feel like we're starting to kind of emerge and just imagine this new world that we're going to be coming into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I do think it's really interesting the point you bring up about people in hospitality kind of being that that first page or you know the the opening paragraph of a really great story, like explaining to the customer a spirit they may not be familiar with or Mm -hmm. an ingredient they may not be familiar with. And it's really important for, you know, folks like you or even a farmer that might be farming something that's a little bit funky and strange, like a habanada pepper, you know, that front of the house worker really is the gateway and the storyteller for a consumer to experience those things for the first time. So I can't Mm -hmm. wait until we can interact with those, you know, front of house wizards (laughs) one little storytellers once more you know yeah for sure it'll come it'll come how are your um friends and family you said you still go back to visit them in korea how are they doing how are they holding up right now what are they seeing you know you guys they're a couple months ahead of us in terms of how quickly they handled the crisis how are they doing
1: they're fine um it's like business as usual in korea now wow and people are now escaping the US to go to Korea. And this morning we were playing Korean baseball on our T V because apparently like Korea's so fine that now they're like they're doing like national sports. And so um yeah, I think uh, the US <laughs> could could um copy what they did without the testing. and they're really strict in terms of like I think Asia in general, um I don't know what it is. Maybe citizens, like, they listen more. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Not as, blank. like, <laughs> even driven, perhaps. Yeah, we're just, we don't listen. Where This this independence thing is a wonderful thing, right? But it's yeah. also just so pig-headed in so many ways.
1: Well, I also heard it's the trauma that they've dealt with, with, like, like stars rumors and stars mm-hmm. and probably just, like, other traumas. Um, right. But – yeah they're it seems like they're in a good position it'd be and I don't even think like they are worrying about a second wave or anything like that because they've controlled all the cases um, whereas here I'm worried that we'll open up too soon and then it be a second wave
0: right right I think you know just it's been really inspiring to see the the value placed on like on science and technology and leadership. And, you know, like you said, people listening and I think Mm -hmm. that they really rely or respect our elders as much, you know, this, Mm -hmm. the the real disregard for elder life has become very apparent in the young people that have been out at the beach, like whatever, I'm not going to get it. You know, I think that that also plays a part too is like valuing the elderly in our society is not something we really do. We kind of just put them in a home and Mm -hmm. bye, you know, um, combo of the both but I really it's been really inspiring to see um what South Korea's done I'm so happy you know you and I can connect via zoom and I can see you and you're taking the time to do this but gosh I really cannot wait for the day where we get to do this over a giant big old plate of kbbq and (laughs) yours or mine you know whatever you name it um and we can you know together. <laughs> yeah, that would be great.
1: I can't <laughs>
0: wait. Well, just one more time for um, the listeners. Tell us where we can follow you, find you. You
1: can follow us on Instagram at drinkmakku or go to our website, www.DrinkMaku.com. And then there'll be a list of where you can find us in stores or online. Come be.